minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are, the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Well, via the Community Radio Network, not on the Community Radio Network. My name's Jess Toscan, hosting today's program. If during the course of the program you miss bits and pieces, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. And if you're really, really, really desperate... The program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If you can't sleep and you listen to community radio station 3CR, it's also rebroadcast at 5am on Friday morning. And I'm amazed at the number of people who tell me they listen at 5am. I don't think I've been up at 5am since the day I was born, but that's a different matter. Well, I lie. So, what's anarchy? Is it ramming cars into people? Is it blowing yourself up when you feel like it? No. The word anarchism comes from the word anarchos, which means without rulers. Not without rules, without rulers. And why have a political, social, cultural, ideological position based on the concept of creating a society without rulers? Because it's rulers with a secular religious, self-appointed, elected, who seem to be the root of all evil. Sorry for the uh, biblical analogy. So an anarchist society is a society where you devolve power and you share wealth, where you attempt to break down. The key word is attempt to break down the institutional structures which give megalomaniacs like me and Adolf Hitler and Pol Pot the opportunity to impose our will on the community because of inequalities of power and wealth in society. And wherever you look, whether it's, whether it's uh, Groper land, formerly known as the US of A, or the land of the <laughs> intergenerational communist dictatorship in North Korea, it's all about power. So an anarchist struggle is a struggle to break down power, devolve power, share wealth, incorporate people in the decision-making processes through direct democratic principles and holding in wealth in common. The old saying, withering away of the state with, for each according to their need and each according to their abilities. All right, let's start off with taking out the trash. I love taking out the trash on, community, on uh, the radio net, community radio network. Love taking out the trash. And guess what? 
the Commonwealth Bank's record $9.5 billion profit has been built on illegal behaviour, immoral behaviour, unethical behaviour. It's been built on taking money from people you wouldn't really take money from. It's built on rorting your customers, especially your insurance customers, and it's built on shortchanging your workers. Love it. So the Commonwealth Bank has now reached a stage where the board has realised that they're in for a tough time. So they've made a succession plan for their CEO, thinking thinking that we're all going to jump up and down and rub our hands in glee and say, hooray, hooray, the Commonwealth Bank has been saved. And that's all we need to do. Well, boys and girls, the Commonwealth Bank board, hopefully one day you'll find yourself in court. Because if I was involved in the illegal behaviour, immoral behaviour, unethical behaviour, I'd be in a... Big, big, big trouble. So it doesn't matter whether you get rid of your CEO. The problem is you've got a problem because you rely on a licence which is given to you by the government. And considering the Commonwealth Bank was once owned by the people of this country before it was privatised by the Hawke-Keating Axis of Evil, you will realise... And what do they call them, Axis of Evil? Because they began... The deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, revolution, which has led us to this state of affairs. So, they're taking out the trash, thinking that if they get rid of the stench as you walk into one of their branches, that somehow we will forgive them. Well, I'll forgive them, and I'm sure you will forgive them, But will the courts forgive them? And will we see a Royal Commission into the banking and financial sectors finally in this country? For decades, institutional child sex abuse was brushed aside as the feverish imagination of little kiddies couldn't happen, wouldn't happen. You wouldn't have figures of authority, figures who have direct communication with God indulge in such activity, would you? Well, the Royal Commission into institutional childhood sexual abuse, which was instituted by the Julia Gillard government, let's not forget that, because if Tony Abbott had been Prime Minister, that Royal Commission would never have been instituted, as we see now, with Malcolm Turnbull being a big man in the financial world, not keen to institute a Royal Commission to the banking sector just in case it goes down pathways that may implicate some of them. So, let's see what happens. Well, at least, at least the Commonwealth Bank has now understood that if you go into a shop pull out a gun, make a hefty profit, 
there are consequences. So this $9.5 billion profit, which you know shareholders are crowing about, think again. Think how it was created. And taking out the trash is not good enough. Certain people in positions of authority, not just in the Commonwealth Bank, but the banking and financial sector, should be fronting up to the courts. And let's not forget that after the global financial crisis in 2008, very few, if any, fronted up to the courts. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Jeff Toscano, I'm hosting today's program. Terrorism. All right, nice word, isn't it? Terrorism. And me mate, President Donald Groper of the US of A, is a man who loves to use the word terrorism. I don't blame him. But unfortunately, poor old Donald, the Groper, President Groper, is colour blind. He's colourblind. Now, I've told you in the past there are good nuclear bombs and bad nuclear bombs. And obviously the good nuclear bombs are the ones which the United States government has and the bad nuclear bombs are the ones that the North Korean government would like to have. And it's the same with terrorism. There are bad, bad, nasty terrorists whose motivation, and the key word is when you look at the word terrorism, is motivation. Is the motivation to use terror to create change. If the motivation is to use sorry, if the motivation in using violence to create political change is terrorism, okay? But you've got to have the motivation. Now, obviously, Islamic fundamentalists who like to blow themselves up, it is a political act, right? Or who like to, you know, run trucks into people, Political act, okay? Political act. There's a political motivation, therefore it's terrorism. Remember we have good old boys from the United States of America kind of running their motor vehicles into a crowd of demonstrators. Well, it's not terrorism, is it? The bloke took a wrong turn, didn't he? There's no political motivation, was there? Think about it. So although Mr President Donald Graber may carry on about this and carry on about that and carry on about the ultra-left, or ultra-alt-left, you like that? Ultra-left, that's the new one, ultra-alt-left, you know, the alternative left, you know. Motivation. Why doesn't he use the word terrorism to describe what happened in Charlottesville? It's very important because if we're going to use words to describe people's actions, we need to be able to use those words in a way that has some type of universal meaning. And if you define terrorism, political terrorism, by looking at the motivation of the people involved in that act, and if that motivation is a political motivation, then it is terrorism. Whether it's some, you know, good old boy driving his car into a crowd of fellow citizens in the US of A, 
or, there are, or whether it's some person who thinks by blowing themselves up they're going to go to God, you know, in a quick way. It's the same thing, political motivation. Terrorism, political violence. Think about it. And the great thing is that the groper is, you know, he hasn't changed. He's the same man. Obviously, occasionally the the White House advisers get to put out a media statement. <laughs> but the good thing is the old president of the USA, the man we all love, will on the next day tell us what he really thinks. And if you're living in the US of A, just remember there's terrorism and terrorism. When it's some overseas-driven Islamic fundamentalist or local homegrown fundamentalist, it's always terrorism. When it's a good old boy from the US of A, yeah, he just got angry, didn't he? That's all it was. It wasn't terrorism. It's in the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Got a pretty eclectic program today. I'm going to jump from topic to topic, and I'll tell you why, because there's lots of things happening. There's always lots of things happening. But you don't want to be constricted by the the old commercial ABC axis. You know, they usually have five news items every day, uh, one one or two local news items, one or two overseas news items, and then some type of human interest story just to make it, you know, make it interesting. Well, not on the Anarchist World this week. Sometimes we have one news item and sometimes we have plenty of news items. And today we're going to have... Plenty of news items. Oh, yes, and just, just, just a little reminder, those of you who think that America is the land of the brave and the free, don't forget those pesty protesters at Charlottesville, the counter-protesters, the alt-rads, the alt-left, don't forget they didn't have a permit. That's right. You need a permit. A permit to protest in the good old US of A. At least we haven't reached that stage here, except in Queensland in the, in the good old good old days. But just in case you think it is a land of freedom and you think the World Wide Web and the internet is your pathway to total freedom, the US Justice Department, the US Justice Department is currently in the courts attempting to get all the information they can on the one million visitors to an anti-Trump website in the US of A. You like that? You can be a visitor and bingo, all your details get sucked up into the big, big brothers, you know, hands. Think about it. So when you talk to me about political freedom, think again. It's a little bit like Australia, isn't it? We're told that about those horrible, horrible North Koreans and Chinese where there's no right to strike. And then you come back to Australia and you say, ah, well, I'm going to take a bit of strike action to improve my situation. The government of the Reserve Bank has told me that we need a pay rise so the economy can be kick-started because workers haven't got enough money to actually kick-start the economy. You go on a strike, guess what? Strikes are illegal in the land of milk and honey. Illegal in the land of Oz. Illegal in the land of down, down under. The only time you can take a little bit of industrial action is during a enterprise bargaining agreement period after a vote has been taken. Extraordinary. Extraordinary, and we're told we live in the land of the free and the brave. Well, that's the US of A, I got that wrong. This is the land of the nose rubbers. No, not nose rubbers in terms of our relationship with New Zealand. 
But Rose knows rubbers in turn of we won't go down that path. It is a children show. Okay, let's move on. Now, I know we have listeners who think climate change is a hoax, you know. They think it's somehow some United Nations conspiracy to take over the universe, not just the world, but the universe, including every star in the galaxy and beyond the galaxy, beyond the Milky Way. Well, I'm one of those rebels. Well, I'm not a rebel. I'm actually part of the majority. I'm one of those people who believes... Not beliefs, who knows? I don't want to use the word belief in this program because I could believe anything. I could believe that there are Martians living in the tin area, you know, in my toes. I could believe that I'll become one with the Godhead when my time expires. I could believe that I need to eat one freshly born child every day in order to keep up my energy. These are beliefs. They have no basis in reality. They're not fact-based. They're beliefs. Now, climate change is real, and it is due to human activity. And I'll tell you why. It's a very simple analogy, and I call the Joe Toscano analogy. Being a megalomaniac, I like to name things after myself. Okay? And I've, and I've spoken about this before on the Anarchist World this week and many other programs that I'm involved in in public lectures and talks. It's very simple. You want to learn about climate change. Very simple. Get yourself a big glass stone. Very nice glass stone. I'm sure you can find one at a um, second-hand shop. Put some earth down the bottom of the glass stone. Get some nice plants. Get them established. Introduce a few mice, male and female. You don't want them all male or all female. They won't replicate. There's no IFF programs among mice, you know, that they carry out themselves, is there? Get a few mice. So you have a fixed resources, which is what you've planted, right? You've got finite resources. Knowing mice, they'll start copulating. You'll have an increased population growth before you know it. And they're all under a little dome, and the little dome is our stratosphere around the blue planet because if you're lucky enough to go out into space, and I'll never be going into space unless my ashes are kind of fired into face, space, and I'm going to be buried anyway, so they're not going to be fired into space. So I'll never get to space unless the Earth blows up, which it will one day. So here I am, right? You've got the planet Earth, you've got this beautiful stratosphere, this beautiful atmosphere around planet Earth. That's, what, that's our little glass dome that we've created. That's our glass dome. We've got increasing population growth. We have 7 billion people on the planet today, and in about 25 years we'll have 9 billion people. Right? And we've got increased... That's increasing population growth. We've got finite resources. I mean, I know we've very got very good scientists and... We're going to have driverless cars and giant pumpkins, genetically altered giant pumpkins, and we may even have to resort to, you know, kind of processing bodies into little chips, like the Sonya Green movie, but that, that's another story. So we've got finite, we've got finite resources. And the word finite's very simple. It means we've got limited resources, and we're not going to create any more, although we're going to play around trying to create more and obviously we're going to try to build spaceships so can we run away 
Well, some people are going to run away from planet Earth and keep the human race alive. You've got increasing population growth. You've got an increasing greenhouse emissions because of human activity under that dome. And bingo, that's what climate change is. It's very simple. It's a simple analogy. And I'm not mean enough to call people who've got a belief that climate change is a conspiracy. I'm not mean enough to call them climate change deniers. They're climate change flat earthers. I mean, to deny something means that you actually accept the facts are wrong. All these people, you know, it's beyond debate. They're climate change flat earthers, all right? Some people believe the earth is flat. So what? So here we have. So what are the signs? What are the signs that we are seeing around planet earth? In the last few weeks, we have been witnesses to a number of mudslides, whether it's in South America or Sierra Leone in Africa or China or other parts of the world or Indonesia, that have resulted in the deaths of many people. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's because people are building illegally on you know, these mountains, which is fair enough, increasing population growth. But there is a scientific reason. There is something based on facts behind what's happening. And it doesn't just affect the hundreds of people who are killed in mudslides, but it's affecting our food production. As temperatures increase, the soil dries out. And floods have played a pivotal role in redistributing alluvial soil, which is washed down rivers, onto land, which is then farmed. The whole history of the Egyptian Empire, its 3,000-year history, was based on the fact that the Nile flooded. So when soil is dry, it tends to soak up rain. And we've seen with increasing world temperatures, irrespective of whether you believe it's human-induced or not, you can't deny that the temperatures are increasing. You may be able to deny that it's due to human activity, although we've got the Joe Toscano Dome theory, which I'm happy to debate with anybody at any time, but not on the net. So, so you've got increasing rain intensity. It's a fancy word, rain intensity but you've got decreased flooding around the world because the water is being soaked up by the dry, dry soil. And in many parts of the world, decreased flooding has a major impact on the world's poor because they can't afford fertiliser. They're aligned to a large degree on the alluvial soil which floods it provides. So what we are seeing is the poor turn into the wretched as they can't even grow enough food to meet their immediate needs. At the same time, in urban areas, as population grows and rain intensity increases and forests are removed and people are forced 
to create slums on hillsides surrounding cities, what happens is that you create the very conditions with the next downpour where there are no trees to uh, reduce the effects of the rainfall as it runs down that uh, mountain or that hill and you get more mudslides, more people dying and again you see the poor being transformed into the wretched. Think about it. So there are impacts of global warming as we speak and these impacts can have and will have a major influence on the type of societies we become and the type of governments and the type of institutions we create. And we can either tackle the issue by decreasing greenhouse emissions and possibly decreasing temperatures or stabilising temperatures, or we can, you know, keep marching to the same drum on the road to extinction. I know it sounds heavy. It won't matter to me. I'm an old bloke. I'll be gone. But it will matter to my children and their children and your children and their children. This is The Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Fascinating, isn't it? Fascinating. Now, in society, there are three things in a capitalist society. There's land, there's labour, there's capital. The big three. The big three, land, labour and capital. And the anarchist struggle is about removing capital and just having land and labour and sharing that and creating the wealth that's required and using the collective wisdom to try to resolve these issues that we face as a population. And, you know, I know I like to pretend when I'm on the anarchist world this week that I know nothing about technology, and it could be true. I mean, who knows? But I do look at how things evolve. And I remember when the World Wide Web was first created, it was hailed as a decentralised, democratic democratising influence on society. You like that? And that the government should keep its nose out of it. So we had these visions in the late 80s and early 90s and I remember the when we were publishing the Anarchist Age Weekly Review that we were one of the first people to embrace the net because we understood the potential it had in terms of disseminating ideas, not in terms of organising real activity of disseminating ideas. And we fought, not believe, fought that it could possibly be a democratising, decentralising influence in society. And initially it was. But what we've seen in the last 20 years is the capitalisation of the World Wide Web. We've seen venture capital poured into the virtual world where investors, hedge funds, big investors are looking for the next big thing. And even if you invest in a thousand little internet companies, if you strike gold with one, it's a little bit like going gold digging. If you strike gold with one and get that big nugget, you're going to have a good time. And what we've seen over the last 20 years is the domination 
the almost total domination of the world wide web by a handful of new monopolies. Whether it's Facebook, whether it's the search engine Google, whether it's Uber, what we are seeing is the elimination, the elimination of the cooperative, cooperative features and decentralised features of the net and its takeover by monopolies which wouldn't be illegal in Australia but would actually be illegal under the United States antitrust laws. And this has been driven by venture capital. That's by that third leg of the capitalist equation, land, labour and capital. And who are the losers? And the losers has been labour because the monopolisation of the net and the monopolisation of the services which are concentrated in the net has meant the casualisation of the workforce and people working outside the normal economic parameters. No holiday pay, no sick pay, no accident insurance, no health insurance, no annual leave, no overtime, and the list goes on and on. So the great losers in this equation have been, one, labour. That's people who work. They've been the great losers because through the monopolisation of the net by a handful of corporations which are driven by venture capital, you know, venture capital's need to create ever-increasing profits for its major shareholders irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. So what we are seeing is the rise and rise and rise of monopolies who have subverted the cooperative democratising aspects of the World Wide Web to enrich themselves. And how do they enrich themselves? Through advertising. They sell advertising space. So here we are, imprisoned by a system which has been manipulated by two forces, the centralised state, which is attempting to get as much information as it can through the introduction of laws via which it can have almost total surveillance of everybody and everything they do, and corporate capitalism, which is using this new technology to enrich themselves at the expense of workers, labour. So how does it affect land? Well, what we've seen with the rise and rise of the net and the rise and rise of these monopolies is this drive to give away private, give away state-owned assets to the private sector. Quite extraordinary. And who have lost... Who've lost in this equation? The people. The people's movement, which provided the steam, 
provided the energy to get this new technology off the ground. So think about it. Every time you use a search engine, every time we go on Facebook, every time you use YouTube to a lesser degree, and why to a lesser degree? Because at YouTube, if you can generate enough people looking at your YouTube, you can get a bit of money back from the monopolies for assisting them maximising their profits. So, look, the internet is not necessarily a liberating force. Like, nu- like you know, having good nuclear bombs and bad nuclear bombs, you know, not liberating force. Think about it. It's a force, essentially, to make money for monopolies and it's a force for surveillance. Now, obviously, there are people who've got enough smarts, you know, to outfox people at this particular point in time. But the trouble is that as it becomes more and more corporatized, and there's more and more state intervention and corporations and the state interlink, as we've seen in China, the chances of actually using the net to create change rapidly diminishes. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, a bit of good news. There's always good news. Now, first of all, I you know, took part in the Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair, very successful little uh, gathering. Lots of people turned up. It's good to meet people old and new, and hopefully those contacts will um, grow. And what it highlights is that it's face-to-face interaction which is important. I had a number of people come up and said, I'm your friend. And I looked at them and I said, look, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember. I said, oh, no, 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 I'm your friend on the net. Don't you remember? You know, and I'm thinking, well, I've always got two and a half thousand friends. I can't remember all of them, can I? But I'm saying it's that face-to-face interaction which still continues to have the most impact on people. And events like the Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair are important events because they allow that face-to-face interaction to occur. So it was good to be a part of that uh, event and the organisers should be congratulated for a a very successful, peaceful, well-run event. I'd also like to thank all those people who came to the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest picnic at Rosebud on the Mornington Peninsula outside Melbourne, about 80 kilometres from Melbourne. There are over 25 people there. Some were Pipsy members, public interest before corporate interest members. Some weren't. Some were locals. Some drove or took, uh, got themselves to the picnic. Great event. Easy event to organise. Great event. It put people together. And hopefully in the next few weeks there'll be a public interest before corporate interest uh, group being established in the southern Mornington Peninsula, Dramana, Rosebud, Rye, a functioning group that is part of public interest before corporate interest. Very important. And again, it was a face-to-face social interaction which gave people who are isolated the impetus to come together 
and work together in an attempt to change society. Whether they can or not isn't relevant. What's really relevant is they are attempting to change things, understand they've all got a common oppression and coming together to change things. And as I said a few months ago, after my wife Ellen died, I am now in a position to assist you to organise a Pipsy picnic anywhere in Victoria and if you're willing to pay my way there anywhere in Australia. It doesn't have to be a picnic, it can be a public meeting. It can be a gathering because we need that face-to-face interaction and I consider that I am what you could call a facilitator. And it's my role now, I see my role, not in terms of, you know, just organising events, but in terms of assisting people to organise, to create the momentum for a new society based on egalitarian principles. Because if we don't organise that ground, which is created through increasing dissatisfaction with the current institutional structures and the current political structures, will be taken up by people who want to introduce a racist, nationalist agenda. Because we are competing in the same space. And it's not just good enough to have an occasional demonstration or an occasional counter-demonstration, what we need to do is to be able to organise on the basis of putting the interests of the many before the interests of the few and not waiting for somebody else to do it because we are the people we've been waiting for. It's not somebody else. It's we are the people we've been waiting for. So if you're a member of public interest before corporate interests, this is your chance. Give us a ring. Email us. Write to us, you know, go on the Facebook page, try to contact us and see if we can organise some type of meeting or picnic in your neck of the woods. Because we now have the facilities and the contact list to actually contact people in your area who may be interested in forming a group and creating a real political alternative in this country, not just based on the idea of participating in parliamentary elections by registering public interest before corporate interest as a federal political party before the next federal election, but in terms of stimulating community action, stimulating protest action, to raise issues which need to be raised constantly in an era where the forces of deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, nationalism and racism are becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. Because there are alternatives which don't rely on centralised authority, which don't rely on excluding people because of their sexual orientation, their national origins, the language they speak, the colour of their hair, and the list goes on and on. So this is a great opportunity because we are in a period of flux. And if we refuse to participate at grassroots level, then we will sow that harvest 
a few years down the track when we will see that organisations and groups that President Donald Groper loves and which Tony Abbott courts, those very organisations will be the organisations which will control political power in this country and sidelined you. So the opportunity is there. Things are changing. Dissatisfaction is increasing. And there are three responses in any period like this. There's the response that I hear quite commonly. Well, there's no point. Nothing ever changes. There's no point. I'll sit at home and masturbate. I'll sit at home and watch TV. I'll sit at home and get RSI from my click activism. That's a response. I may not like it, but that is a response. And that is a response of most people who are faced with the everyday issues of surviving. That is a legitimate response. That is their response. Okay? That is their response. Then there's the response of other people who say, I am now marginalised. I'm not getting my fair share. I'm sick of, you know, collecting the crumbs off the corporate table. But they don't say it's the corporation's fault. What they say is, it's the fault of that person over there. She wears a funny hat. Or that person over there. He comes from Africa. Or that person over there. Uh, he's gay. Uh, doesn't look very happy to me. And so what they look for is the rise, as we saw in the 20s and 30s, of a fascist movement, a centralised movement which is exclusive, which appeals to nationalism, which appeals to people's exclusivity. You know? And that is a real danger because we are seeing the rise of such groups everywhere across the globe. Whether it's Islamic fundamentalism or white supremacy, it's the same story. It's the same story. People who are exclusive, who believe, not know, but believe their way is the only way and who are happy to use politically motivated violence to promote their causes. They see it as Essential they use politically motivated violence to promote their courses. That's the reality that we face. And then there are people like us. People who are attempting to break out of issue-orientated politics. Because for far too long, the left has been the home of issue-orientated policies. Because it's all too hard to look at things in a general light. And with public interest before corporate interests, we are looking at things in a general light. We are looking at policies and ideas and strategies which put the interests of the many before the interests of the few. Very simple. Very simple. Big words, public, corporate. Public, many, corporate, few. Very simple. Whose interests do you, do you follow? So we have a number of activities planned. You can either organise a picnic or a public meeting and we'll keep you informed. If you live in Victoria, you can join the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Rally, which is held from 12pm to 1pm on the last Wednesday of every month 
on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House and the next rally will be on the 30th of August. You can join public interest before corporate interests. If you're computer savvy, you can download the application form from pipsypibci.net, pipsypibci.net. You can give us a call on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. Leave a contact name and address and we'll post you out some application forms or you can write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And you've got to remember that ultimate political authority rests in the hands of the people. I mean, democracy is of the people, by the people, for the people. It doesn't lie in the hands of the state. It doesn't lie in the hands of the government of the day. It doesn't lie in the hands of the corporate sector or it doesn't lie in the hands of the public bureaucracy. Currently, all those aspects of our society exercise power. And who's been dealt out of the poker game? The people. And that's why people are getting annoyed. And that's why we are seeing people looking for alternatives. And that's why, and that's why it's essential that we organise. There's a few other things I'd like to remind you of. As I said before, I'm attempting to organise a few things just to keep people interested, get a bit of social interaction. Now, if you are in the city of Melbourne, every Wednesday night, that's right, every Wednesday night between 6 and 9pm, you can have a meal with me. Well, I do use, well, I do use a napkin. It's a social interaction. It's about bringing people of like-minded people together. And if you're interested, you don't have to make a booking, you just turn up on the night. Now, we've had five of these, and they've been relatively successful. Some have been quiet, some have been very busy, because you don't know who's going to turn up, because obviously we don't take bookings. But if you are interested, every Wednesday night, 6pm, across the road from the community radio station 3CR, which is the station I broadcast from for the Community Radio Network every week at 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, Conjo, Ethiopian Restaurant, fresh food, freshly prepared. You may have to wait a while, but it's freshly prepared, not pre-packaged, you know, prepared with love. So join us. You pay for your own food and drinks. It's an alcohol-free event. People have a good time, interact, meet other people, enjoy yourself. Maybe, just maybe, you could exchange names and addresses or email addresses and who knows, you may get involved in something. So that's the idea of that. Every Wednesday night, 6pm to 9pm, you can't come after 9.30pm. It's all finished, so try to get there early. Now, on Saturday the 9th of September, after the last successful uh, Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations walk and talk, on Saturday the 9th of September, meet at 11am, Eureka Mass Grave, Old Ballarat Cemetery in Ballarat in Victoria. I'll be doing a walk and talk, and it'll be uh, followed by, that's at the, in the cemetery, be followed by barbecue lunch at 12.30pm, and a big, 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 big event... Yes, 40th anniversary of the Anarchist World this week. Where has the time gone? 
Where has the time gone? We're holding the 40th anniversary of the Anarchist World this week. We're doing a live broadcast to which all of you are invited. And we will be having that starting at 10... Doors open at about 9.30am. The broadcast will go from 10am to 11am. It's at the Unitarian Church, 110 Grey Street, East Melbourne. All this stuff's on my Facebook page. You can go to the Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. It should also be on the Anarchist Media Institute page in the next few days. So uh, no bookings necessary, just turn up. And after the broadcast, a bit of a discussion. Maybe some of you will sign up to public interest before corporate interests or uh, come to some of the events we are organising. And there will be lunch. The lunch will be organised by the West Papuan community. Lunch will be $15. And if you've got a bit of spare cash, we encourage you to buy someone else lunch on the day who can't afford the $15. Obviously, none of the money goes to us. And if you wish, you can always help to decrease my community broadcasting fees to Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. Donations are acceptable. Accepted but not mandatory. Now, some good news for Defend and Extend Public Housing, the campaign that public interest before corporate interests have been involved in for the last seven to eight months. Uh, the campaign is moving. Um, two days ago, sorry, three days ago, a move was initiated in the Victorian Legislative, Account, Legislative Council and it was moved by a... Uh, Move, a motion was moved by Sue Penkilic, P-W-N-I-C-U-I-K, who's a member of the Victorian Legislative Council and a member of the Victorian Greens. The motion was passed. And an inquiry will soon begin and finish by March next year into the Andrews Labor Government Public Housing Renewal renewal Program, which is a program to privatise public housing. And if you think I'm kidding that they're going to privatise public housing, think again. When Minister Wynne, who's the planning minister, that's right, the good old planning minister for the Victorian state government, the Labor state government, he said that sites in the market which are owned by the Victorian state government will soon be available for private development. So Ellen Sandell, the MP, the Victorian Greens MP for the lowest seat of Melbourne in the Legislative Assembly, has sent us some information regarding the inquiry, the information we put up on the Defend and Extend Public Housing uh, Facebook page. We encourage you to make a submission when the inquiry opens. So uh, we're quite delighted. We've now done two things. Defend and Extend Public Housing has done two things which have been successful. One, it has stopped the government's attempts to hand over publicly owned titles of public housing to the community and social housing sector because the community and social housing sector are not synonymous with public housing. 
One is owned by the state, one is owned by private organisations, which was a big win we achieved a few months ago when we put direct pressure on the government. And secondly, we now have this inquiry in the Legislative Council which will look at or put some light on the Labor government's public housing renewal program, which will have a major impact on people across this state of the state of Victoria, and it's already obviously the same issues are issues around the country. So there's lots happening now. There's a lot of things you can do. You can, there's a lot of websites you can go to. You can go to my uh, Facebook my Facebook page, Toscana for the Public. Most of the events that I'm involved in will be up there, if not all. Toscana for the public. Become a friend. Like the page. Who knows? Maybe we'll get on in the future. You can, uh, you can, um, you can come to the 40th anniversary celebrations. So a lot of things you can do. You can look at the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. You can look at the Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page. You can look at the uh, the Public Interest Before Corporate Interests Facebook page and the web page. You can join Public Interest Before Corporate Interests. You can organise a local picnic or public meeting, which I'm quite happy to attend and speak at. You can come to Ballarat on the 9th of September. And the list goes on and on. I've also got a... um, something organised for the 24th of September. Walk, talk in Yamcha, Anarchist Melbourne, the early years. So there's a lot of things happening. Um, Balls in your courts. You can sit at home and enjoy yourself, throwing things at your TV set, clicking your like button on your your webpage, browsing Tinder, ah, whatever turns you on. Or you can say... It's all hopeless, there's no point. Or you can go, I want to be a nationalist, I want to be a racist and join one of those organisations, or you can join us. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. That number again, 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. 3cr.org.au. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week. Those Facebook pages, Toscano for the Public, Defend and Extend Public Housing, web pages, anarchistmedia.org, pibci.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. Join us, work with us, change the world. Every journey begins with a, with a first step. Take that step now. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.